0: And he says parlor of kittens. No kittens. He says
1: (laughs) powder of (laughs) kittens."
0: Hey maniacs. Hey maniacs. Welcome to (gasps) Mystery (gasps) Maniacs. Hey, we did it. Mystery Maniacs is a recap comedy podcast dedicated to British mystery TV.
1: Each week we dig into an episode of a show including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. This week we're covering Agatha Christie's Poirot Season 1, Episode 1, The Adventure of the Clapham Cook. A good cook is a good cook. (laughs) Indeed, I'm Mark.
0: I'm Sarah.
1: (laughs) And we're the Mystery Maniacs. Okay, a couple of things to begin. First of all, if you're Midsummer Maniacs and you're joining us here, thank you for continuing. Yay! And if you're new people, thank you for finding us.
0: Hey! You should know, though, if you're new, that we did... I don't know. Ten million episodes of Midsummer Murders prior to this. One
1: hundred and thirty-two episodes it, of Midsummer. It murders. felt like
0: ten million, we, and then we suddenly ran out. So
1: we have to be global experts on Midsummer Murders. We do. Though. We like, have to be. Like
0: if there was a uh, in,
1: in Mastermind, Mastermind, I would, I would choose
0: Midsummer. Midsummer. Yeah. I think you'd win.
1: I think I might. Yeah. Certainly. Anyhow. This is a spoiler podcast.
0: We're gonna ruin everything.
1: For this show from a million years ago. <laughs> I had no idea that this show was first shown on the eighth of January nineteen eighty nine. It's
0: because it's timeless, because it's set in the thirties, so yeah. it's there's nothing to give it away and date it, and David Suchet really didn't age.
1: No. What were you doing in nineteen eighty nine in January?
0: Um, I would have been in eighth grade.
1: I was in my freshman year of
0: college. See, I started high school in the fall of nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the in January, I would have been in eighth grade.
1: Uh, and now you know that I'm older than
0: Sarah. And now you know that I'm ancient and you're ancient. Plus, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the the bottom line is though if you're new you may hear some uh, references to Midsummer because like a lot of these people have been in Midsummer it's yep. it's a game that we play when we watch anything Danny that Wend. isn't we go oh, Midsummer yeah. Midsummer when you were see somebody we on in Sandman
1: last night before oh like I thirty said,
0: seconds we're like Midsummer,
1: Midsummer. So. and
0: you'll hear funny references like.
1: I said it out, I, I have to admit, when I went to see Batman
0: with my friend Joshua, I said it out loud. In the theater? <laughs> in the theater. Oh my gosh, you're the worst. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> but you're going to hear stuff like, for example, when we talk about the actor Danny Webb, who plays the luggage porter in The Clapham Cook. So good. Um, He was in a couple of Midsummers and in one of them, he's an airline safety accident inspector and talks about tits in a tree. And yes. so we just now call Danny Webb tits in a tree.
1: Yep. Danny Webb is tits in a tree. So
0: if you don't get the references, go watch Midsummer. Hello? Why haven't you watched it already? Just as a, a warning, we also use
1: the show as a guide to what we talk about and the level we talk about it. We're not good. We're not sweary McSwearersons or no, anything no. like that. We're not using crude language. But if the show talks about crude stuff, we're going to talk about it too. If your
0: kids can handle white slavers, white then slavers. they can handle mystery maniacs. <laughs> but we will spoil it. Yeah, so we will. we will talk about, you know, who the killer is and give it all away. So if you haven't seen The Adventure of the Clapham Cook, first, where have you been since nineteen eighty nine? And second, pause, go watch it, come back.
1: If you've watched Poirot and haven't watched Midsummer, go watch Midsummer too. There's 132 episodes. It's all good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Agatha Christie's Poirot, but we're just going to call it Poirot from now on instead of blah, 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 blah. Yes. Blah,
0: blah. And before we go too far, just a little disclaimer there are people in the world who are Agatha Christie experts. Yep. They know a lot. Now, I've been reading and watching Agatha Christie my whole life. My I, whole life. I love everything that she wrote, and I love almost every screen adaptation i won't say that i've liked them all but most of them yep but there are people out there who know more than us and so if there's something that we don't mention that you think we should and you're one of those experts drop us a line tell us we'll do a quick interview yep we'll include you in the show Absolutely. it's all cool i have great respect for people who are experts
1: yep in august we're covering three poirot episodes we're covering just from season one From uh clapham cook from season one Triangle at Rhodes and problem at sea.
0: Yes, so we're just going to dip With the into
1: strange doll. <laughs> yes,
0: we're just going to dip into season one. Yep, here and, and we'll come back to Poirot at a later date. And
1: yes, dip absolutely. In, dip
0: into season two.
1: Yes. So this is nineteen eighty nine to two thousand thirteen. How many episodes do you think there are, Poirot? Forty there are 70 Oh ROs. yeah. Absolutely. It was broadcast on the 8th of January 1989 as mentioned, directed by Edward Bennett and written by Clive Exton. Clive Exton made uh, quite the movie. It's a movie called The House in Nightmare Park.
0: Which, that sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it's not what you think it is. It's a goofy kind of spoofy movie, but the co- the trailer is nuts. <laughs>
0: I have a little confession to make here. I think there's something people need to understand about us. Yes. That even people who listen to Midsummer Maniacs don't know. And that both of us have trouble shutting our brains off at night. Yes. And so we often put something on the laptop and just let it play and fall asleep. And it has to be something that we have seen a lot that we're very familiar with so that it doesn't like make you want to stay awake to watch it.
1: Yes, um, Time Team is fantastic for yeah, this.
0: Yeah, because we've seen every episode of Time Team. Yep. So it's enough to kind of engage your brain enough so you can drift off but not keep your attention. And um, for months at a time, we did this with Poirot, too, yep. all 70 episodes. Yep. And every time we go back to Poirot for that purpose, we always start at with the, the clap beginning. With Cook. With the Clapham Cook. Yep. So subliminally i have watched this show 20 times maybe
1: 20 times i also listened to the book recently on my trip to canada By the way, I'm Canadian. My wife is American. We live in Bloomington, Indiana.
0: If you're new, now you know. But I feel like there are certain segments of this episode that I know by heart, unconsciously. (laughs) You say that,
1: but then when I started watching the episode, I'm like, wait a minute, they give away the killer right at the very beginning.
0: Yeah, but you don't know why he's doing it. No, but I I hadn't realized that before. We're going to make fun of this because we love it. Yes. So if you're if you're listening because you're a serious Agatha Christie scholarly type, you you might not like the fact that we make fun of it. Just lighten up. Just it'll be fine. is fun. We love David Suchet. He is fantastic. Now you know he got this part because the Agatha Christie Estate, the family, they asked him. Asked him to. Yep. You know, like they thought he is the one.
1: And that opening shot. So the. The episode begins with with the killer putting away some stuff, right? And the case.
0: He's tying the trunk.
1: Yeah. It was could,
0: corded? We could make
1: mistakes that it's his things, but then they're kind of free. You don't know what he's yeah. doing, but he's yeah. clearly
0: like, he's sweaty and he's kind of hurried and he's obviously doing something nefarious involving that trunk.
1: We have this opening shot of Poirot from Feed Up mm-hmm. that's really good.
0: Well, you, you have to know that he's the full package, right? Anybody who's ever read any Poirot stories, you know how she describes him. She always talks about his patent leather shoes. She always talks about his mustache. She always talks about the fact that his head is shaped like an egg. Yeah. You know, like there are things about him that if you, if you were watching this for the first time and you were an Agatha Christie fan, you're like, I'm not sure if I'm going to like this. And then you see David Suchet and you go, oh, yeah. They yep. got it. They got it right.
1: Absolutely. You know.
0: Uh, so. He's got spats on.
1: Yeah. Spats. Do you know about spats? So spats are like pieces of cloth you wear over your shoes. Yeah. And the bottom of your pants.
0: Yeah. Do you know why? To keep them clean, I would assume? Spats is short for spatterdash.
1: Spatterdash? hmm
0: They're, yeah, they're to keep your shoes clean. Okay. And they're to protect the, and your socks. They're like to protect the top of your shoe and your sock from things that would fly into that gap. Like mud or water. Or right. Thing. Yeah. But they're most, and that's like the civilian version of them. Yeah. But they're most often used now by people who work in foundries. Oh, because the place where your boot laces up is the most vulnerable part of your boot. Okay. And if molten metal dripped on your foot oh. and it got on that part, it would burn through and onto your foot. That's not so good. So they wear spats that are like impervious. They're like five layers of canvas with like probably asbestos in the middle or something. Something and. And and they also wore them in the military for the same reason because if like incendiaries dropped and you know it would get on your shoe and it it closes the gap between your pant leg and your shoe. It's not
1: just for fancy pants.
0: But it does make you look pretty fancy. It does. His are definitely for fancy. Super fancy. Mm -hmm.
1: And we're introduced to Hastings, Colonel Hastings. Mm -hmm. Now in the books, in the short stories at least, the couple that I've read, he is totally the stand-in for. The reader, right? Yeah. He's the narrator of most of them. Yeah. And is he
0: colonel or captain?
1: It's Captain Hastings. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we're going to get
0: emails. (laughs) He's Captain Hastings.
1: Captain Hastings. And he's reading through the paper, talking about all these cases. I want to know what happened to Edna Field.
0: Newspapers of this era and earlier just blow my mind. It's like eight pike a type. Yep. There's no white space on the page. They're bigger than they are now. Like the individual pages are bigger, and it is eight pica type, top to bottom. Every page is jam yep. packed.
1: But there are two ads. Did How did anybody
0: ads? read the paper, like
1: uh, with their little piercings? Apparently, no. I mean,
0: it would have taken all day. It
1: would. It, and there were two editions usually.
0: And personal ads, person to person ads, yeah. were very popular. Yes. For and that's all what, kinds of reasons. And they, they end That's up, what Miss Lemon uses. Right. They place an ad. But there were like whole pages that were just person to person messages. Yep. In the newspaper. Never mind all the rest I just it blows me away how much content was in the paper back then compared to an average paper now. Yeah. You you just if you actually read all of it, you'd be done right when the next paper came. pretty much. Like It'd be a full-time job. Pretty much. Reading the newspaper.
1: That's the thing we do, by the way, if we are referring to a picture or a video or things like that, we'll put it in the show notes so you can go to those show notes uh, and find those. And every episode that we put out, we list where the show notes are also.
0: The other thing we need to note about the newspaper is that's how we get the date. So we find out that it's November Nineteen thirty-five. Yes, and that's important because if you if you only kind of look at the setting for clues, you you might think it was the twenties because a lot of architecture didn't really change. Well,
1: it's so everything, in the intercession
0: years between the two wars.
1: Everything is so Art Deco in this, except for the little cottage. Yeah, like the bank manager's house is Art Deco. Yeah, I would say even the bridge they go over is a bit Art Deco. Yeah. Right, all the cars and, and so everything. you
0: could you could it would be understandable if you thought it was the late twenties, but yeah. it's nineteen thirty five. And yeah. if you know anything about Poirot and Hastings at all, you know that the wars are important. Yep. The fact that these stories happen in the intercession years between World War One and the World interregulum. War Two. Interregulum. Um, that's an important piece of context, I think, that we just have to keep in mind.
1: It just kind of So Poirot was an immigrant from the First World War when he was a refugee. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, when the Germans invaded Belgium.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm and,
1: not French. And I'm capt- a Belgian chap.
0: And, and Captain Hastings is captain because he was in the war and that's yeah, his rank. Yeah, he's
1: heard in the Somme, mm-hmm. right? But Poirot has bigger plans. How
0: many different Poirot stories start with him suffering from case ennui? Yes. The little gray cells are uh, suffering.
1: Yep. He, he, none of these cases are interesting to him. He's more interested in his power, powder of keating.
0: He says he has to trim his mustache. Um, He has to clean a grease spot off of one of his suits. And these things are more interesting than the cases that Hastings reading. And he includes getting his winter coat out. Yes. And he says parlor of kittens. No. says,
1: Powder of Keatings.
0: (laughs) The subtitle says parlor of kittens. Yeah, the subtitles are kind of bad on this episode.
1: I have in front of me an ad for Keating's power from roughly the same time, and he's brilliant. A fact, Keating's powder kills every bug, flea, moth, fly, beetle, etc., Providing only keatings is brought into the proper contact with it, contains no poison or and is harmless to everything but household insects and vermin.
0: So it's mothballs. Yeah,
1: basically. So
0: his coat has been stored all summer and now yep. it's November. He needs to get it out. Yeah, he needs to get it out. And probably remove the powder of kings.
1: yes. <laughs> he talks about pomade. Do you know pa- pomade's not a brand name? I thought it was a brand name.
0: Oh, no, it's not.
1: No, it's, it, it's, it's a thing. It's a noun. Yes.
0: Not a brand. But then Miss Lemon appears.
1: Yes, she has a client, a woman. Ooh.
0: Miss Lemon, played by Pauline Moran, oh, she's who is fabulous.
1: Fantastic. She doesn't
0: have her full spit curls yet. No, she'll get there. Which she has later. The little curls that are like stuck to the side of her face. Yep. Well, I I didn't. I knew that Pauline Moran kind of left acting to go do astrology stuff. She's kind
1: of hippy dippy.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's okay. That's cool. That's okay. But like her second career was as an astrologist. Yeah. But I didn't know that. That's actually her third career. Oh. And her first career was as a bass player she was in a, a rock band. bass player in a rock band. She is so cool. The band is called She Trinity. She Trinity. And has four members.
1: That makes sense. Four ladies. Not really.
0: She Trinity. And
1: you sent me a picture of them.
0: She's the best looking one of the bunch. Yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. And looks really no- gothy uh, it's, for the time.
1: They all look really gothy. I'll put it in the show notes too, Yeah, The She Trilogy. Is yeah. there a Wikipedia page? Oh, yes. Okay. And I'll you put can a,
0: even watch them play on YouTube. I'll put a, a link to all those things. Their the biggest hit song, He Fought the Law.
1: He Fought the Law. They're bad
0: girls. Yeah. And she says that Mrs. Todd is there.
1: Mrs. Todd, who is fantastic.
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to repeat myself, but
1: everyone in this episode is fantastic.
0: Yes. But she has the that straw hat with the flowers on it. And- oh,
1: she just... Comes into Poirot's house and says, I thought you were eating scenery. I'm going to eat all the scenery. Yeah.
0: And totally all-
1: guilts him.
0: Well, and so M- Mrs. Todd is of a certain class of woman, right? Yeah, She is an aspiring middle class woman. So her husband has a professional job. They are not wealthy.
1: They have two but servants. They're, but
0: they're well off. Yep. But it's earned money. It's not aristocratic money or anything. Nope. But she is clearly socially reaching. Yes. As high as she can stretch her arm. And she lives in Clapham. And she is used to telling people what they're going to do. Yes. And she comes in and she says, here's what I need you to do for me. Yep. Not... I have a case and I wondered if you could help.
1: No, 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 no.
0: You know, she doesn't know his reputation.
1: This is service entrance here.
0: Yeah. She, she even accuses him of maybe paying for the mentions he gets yes. in the newspaper. Oof. And but then I think she realizes
1: David Suchet that, does so many great winces. In oh this yes,
0: episode. She realizes maybe that was a misstep. Yep, and apologizes. Yes, but she doesn't say, "Oh, I'm so sorry if I offended you. I didn't. I didn't mean to." She goes, "No offense. I'm sure."
1: No. And then like, just You're goes not on. allowed
0: to be offended you, you by what have, I just said.
1: <laughs> I, I really don't care if you are or not. We're moving on to the next I want thing. you
0: to find my cook. Yes. And he says, No, I don't do that.
1: And she guilts him. She, she says, Oh, you're too high and mighty to find my cook.
0: Well then she class wise, she slips down just a little bit. Yep. And and goes back to who she really is. Yep. And I think he it resonates with him because then she's being sincere. It is hard to find a she's good cook. She's
1: really sad that she's lost her cook. Yeah.
0: It's really hard to find a good cook and hers has disappeared. But no, she has no concern at all for the actual woman. No. No, no, no. It's the cook that's yep. gone, not
1: Eliza Dunn. Yep. And- this is a, a reoccurring theme in this episode, but Poirot is surrounded by people who are s- not as intelligent as
0: he is. Not even close. And he
1: tells them that they are so intelligent.
0: Yes, he flatters them to yes, get what he needs from them. He
1: absolutely does. <laughs> they get in the car and go to Clapham.
0: So we're, we're on the first day, right? Yep. This is the same day. Yep. In one day, she comes, they go back to Clapham with her in a car, they... Talk to her and the maid. They go away for an hour. They come back and talk to her husband. And the lodger. And the lodger. And then they go away. And then they go away. All and then he gets the mail the next day. All in one day. Yes. That happens.
1: So they go to 88 Prince Albert
0: Road, it's which a, is not
1: in Clapham, by the way.
0: It's not even a, a detached house. It's a row house.
1: There isn't an 88 Prince Albert Road in Clapham. It's in London. Mm-hmm. It's right across from Regent's Park. Oh, there's a fence
0: before the house. Yeah, that's a different kind of house. Yeah, this is a row house where if you were a proud housewife, they're probably
1: five to eight million dollars
0: flats at least. At that, yeah. Um, If you're a proud housewife like she is, though, you do whatever you can to distinguish your door from all the other doors. But they do fl- face onto the common, so that would be a nice address to have. They
1: do. A thing I'm going to hit on here is when they go they go across the bridge, it's Albert's Bridge
0: mm-hmm.
1: right uh, It was made in 1873. It's a Victorian bridge. Okay. It's a beautiful piece of architecture. Yeah. The background of all of this is full of people. The, the bridges investment
0: will- that they made in cars of the period, People in the a- right extras clothes. Extras who are dressed extras. correctly. Everything, yeah.
1: And just for throwaway stuff where like Hastings is like, oh, there's the common. And we have a three second shot of people on the common all in period dress. Like
0: a dozen people.
1: Yeah. Just doing stuff. There are so many. This scene in the bank scene, you're like, wow, there are a lot of people being paid to Just bustle around, around yeah, and bustle say watermelon. Around. Yep.
0: <laughs> we haven't talked about Hastings very much. His wardrobe. Ugh. I have a soft spot. For his sweater vest, yes, it seems like every man in England at this time had a Fair Isle sweater vest. Yes, they're beautiful. All the guys in All Creatures Great and Small have them. Yeah. Hastings has them. I mean, any anything you know during that time, they all have these beautiful Fair Isle. Sweater vests, and, and I knit, so I know when, how hard that is. When it's is to like do.
1: three pieces of wool at the same time. No,
0: actually, the definition of fair isle is only ever two colors in a single row of knitting. Okay. But you change colors so often that you—they're called motifs, oh, okay. right? So it has lots of different motifs, little um, horizontal bands that are different patterns. But you'll see the same colors kind of repeat here and there. But you're only ever using two colors at once, even did, though it might have a dozen colors in it. Did
1: you notice the stained glass at the door? Yes. Yeah, it's very nice. It's
0: beautiful. They're—they're
1: they're absolutely upwardly mobile.
0: Yes. He works
1: in a bank. So. so
0: let's talk to Annie. Oh, Annie's my favorite. She is fantastic. She's played by Katie Murphy. And if you like Midsummer, you remember her as Helen in A Tale of Two Hamlets. Yes. But what she does with her teeth yep. is just Oscar worthy.
1: <laughs> the, how they how Hastings and Suchet didn't
0: Oh my God, they just, must have cracked up constantly. They must
1: have cracked up constantly.
0: So Annie is a maid of all work, a parlor maid, which means that she is responsible for everything that isn't cooking. She does the laundry, she cleans the house, and she is to be uh, not seen as possible, right? So that little, the kitchen, the room where she's in... Is basically the basement. The fact that it has its own back door that actually leads to an outside is like, that's kind of a nice thing. And Mrs. Todd's
1: a little like, I don't know if you should talk to her alone.
0: She's afraid of what she's going to say about her, which is another upwardly mobile middle class thing. Yes. That we have servants for the, she probably didn't grow up with servants, Mrs. Todd. No. No. And so now that she has them, there are other women in her house and they might talk bad about her. Yes. But The fact that she even cares about that means she's not really upper class because upper no. class women wouldn't, wouldn't have cared. Care. But Annie is And so Annie precious. has a
1: theory <laughs> that with
0: well, the use of the, stewed peaches. I love they say, well, what's the last thing she said to you? Well, she said if there was any stewed peaches left over from the dining room, we would have them for dinner with a bit of bacon and some fried potatoes. Yes. Notice I said that without looking at my notes because it's one of those lines that I just remember. Because when she says it, she kind of licks her lips a little bit and bites her lip. Yep. Like, and that sounded really good, you and, know? No, stewed
1: peaches. I think she's been doing the cooking too since Christmas. For cook's a few days, done. which is
0: probably a struggle for probably her. Probably a struggle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mrs. Todd's in the other room
0: reading. Maybe they maybe they lured her away with the stewed peaches? Yes. White slavers. Did you notice know the door was open? Yeah. <laughs> Mrs.
1: Todd left the door open. She's standing she's nearby. She's sitting in the other room and she's reading Home and Garden. Oh, no,
0: no. She runs to sit down and pretend oh, to be true. reading. She's actually listening the whole time. Yeah. But this is the first time we get a little hint of Hastings is Stupid yes Hastings isn't always stupid but in this episode we we are set up for the world Poirot and told Hastings is an idiot
1: well okay Hastings it, it is a young lady speaking and Hastings yeah, has a but, problem but with not this. his type not his type but but hum- she
0: she thinks that Eliza might have been taken by white slavers right yes. but then she says but she sent for her things in her trunk yes. And Poirot says, would white slavers have sent for her things? Like, that that makes that not no. possible, and right? Then, and she's like, well, she would have wanted her things. Yes. White slavers or not, she would have wanted her things. Even in foreign <laughs> <laughs> Even in foreign <laughs> climes. And then Hastings like, oh, good point. He does a lot of furrowing his brow and nodding like, that's true. Like, he no, believes it's not true, Hastings, you H- idiot. Hastings
1: Stop. believes everything he's told. <laughs>
0: We, The train scene later, when he figures it all out, it's like a light bulb above his head. Like, well, no, oh, no, 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 Eureka! Yeah, like, he sings out of thought. You hear <laughs> the clicking of the clockwork. And the smoke comes out of his ears. He's like, ha Yeah, but so Mrs. Todd was listening in because, you know, she's paranoid. Um, and then you find out they have a paying guest, which is another sign that they are not as wealthy as they could be. Yes, right?
1: but I want to go back to the... the, the... The magazine that she's reading. Oh yeah, Home and Garden. It's not Better Home and Garden. No, Better Home and Garden is the American version. Yes, of Home and Garden. What what you know guts do they have to be like we're Better Homes and Gardens? Yeah, because <laughs> the mag- magazine started in 1919. It would have been extremely popular at this time. It is still going on. You can still get. Oh yeah, Home and Gardens. In England
0: but again it's indicative of the time that mrs. Todd is reading it because well, she yeah. is of the class who is allowed to care about her home even though she doesn't do any of the work
1: yep and right? now I'm gonna tell you this is this is what we mean by maniac I looked at a decade of <laughs> home, of home and garden magazine covers. you're not a
0: maniac you know what? What I got a whole box of them. You got a whole box of those? Of those magazines. I look from at, the nineteen twenties. They're in the next room. I looked at a decade <laughs> of covers, and that uh, that issue does not appear in the oh, 30s. Oh, you're a nerd! Oh my God, you're such dedicated. A nerd. <laughs> you're so hardcore.
1: If you know what issue of Home and Garden that is. Please let me know.
0: Home and garden in in that era is just jam-packed full of interregulum, rebuilding, reestablishing home. Well, the woman
1: on the cover is actually working in her kitchen.
0: Yes. It's it's a time
1: of transition.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it would have had recipes in it that the wife of the house may have made or given those recipes to her cook. It would have worked for both. Yeah. But it also would have had some fashion stuff in it. Yep. And it would have had some advice stuff in it and some travel stuff in it. Poirot and Hastings talk to the lodger
1: and the husband. The lodger actually does a really good job of playing dumb here. Not just
0: dumb. He's delighted. Yeah. He's, oh, I know exactly who you are. Yep. And you can come in my room and you got nothing on me.
1: Nothing. He knows he's scot-free.
0: Man, Poirot gets close to his face. Oh,
1: man, like right up in the face. And that's where he notices. It's almost like. Yep. I smell it. Yep. <laughs> Cuz he's got See, Poirot knows then oh, that yeah. he's
0: the dude. He knows at he least kn- that he's up to something. Yep. He knows that then. he's done something nefarious because he's got gum arabic in his in his sideburns which we would call spirit gum probably yep. now.
1: So they go home, they have a sleep and they get the mail. Oh they- no,
0: wait. You can't skip over Mr. Todd, the jerk face, not offering them a drink. (laughs) Mr. Todd. Well, they're servants. He is of the same bucket as Mrs. Todd, but worse.
1: Yeah. he's
0: Because he knows who Poirot is.
1: Yeah. He just has no time for any of this.
0: He is so self-important
1: in his morning coat. He only gets a name, Mr. Todd, though. He doesn't even get a first name. He should just
0: be Mr. Jerk.
1: Yep. Mr. Jerk.
0: Their faces, when he... Puts the stopper back in and sets the bottle back down. Hastings look like looks like he just killed a kitten. Yeah, but then I don't know. It's kind of heavy handed of the writers to later go. Well, he didn't have to offer us. You know. Yeah, he didn't offer us a drink. They
1: didn't. We knew that.
0: You didn't need to say it. We knew it. We saw it. They get the letter the next day. Poirot is being dismissed. Yes. Did you notice that the letter from Mister Todd is in third person? Yes. Except for the sentence in the middle. Yes. It's, it's a weird letter. Again, I think it's aspiring to be kind of very upper class well, it, referring it, to themselves in the third person, but in the middle he can't help it, but say me. Well, in the show it comes from her and in the No, 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 it's from him.
1: Okay. Cuz in the story it's it's from her then. Oh. It's opposite.
0: Cuz cuz in this it's from him. He's writing on their behalf and he's signed the one getting only check.
1: Yes. So a guinea, if you don't know. Like
0: Poirot was gonna try to catch it for more.
1: <laughs> yes. Is a pound and five pence.
0: Oh, pre decimal money in England is just whack doodle I yes, don't know how this is they ever money. figured out By the way, what something costs.
1: We did 20 minutes on the changeover between old and new money <sighs> on the Midsummer Maniac. Never podcast. mind, they
0: had more than one word for a denomination. Oh, like just... we call a dollar a buck, maybe yeah. kind but like That's it. Yep. They had slang for every denomination. So So it's a pound and and five pence.
1: Yep. In 1935, if you translate that to modern money, it's about 79 pounds.
0: Today? Yeah. Wow.
1: 80 pounds.
0: What a slap in the face.
1: Poirot, see ya later.
0: (laughs) 46 times.
1: No. No. He is so mad. He's so incredibly mad. And Hastings is like, uh, I'm going to the racetrack.
0: If they had just written and said, we don't need your help after all, he would have been like, fine, whatever. Yeah. But the fact that they paid him so little, he's yes. like, oh no, I'm, gonna fi- I'm finding her now. Yeah. You can't stop me. I'll use my own money. I don't care. Yep. His face, his eyes go, I'm going to, like, he's just like, so angry, and Hastings and Miss Lemon are like standing behind him holding the letter, going, oh My God, is he gonna blow up? Like, yeah. <laughs> he's really mad, what's gonna happen? So, he starts giving everybody jobs. And he, he Hastings wants to go to the racetrack, and he's like, No, I have a job for you. And, and it hit me this time watching it. This is why I'm never sure in the show whether Hastings works for Poirot or not.
1: Like, I don't know, it might be explained in the books.
0: Uh, I somebody can can let us know. But yeah. in my memory there are times when he is and times when he's not, but most often he's just his companion. Yeah. Like he's the impression just,
1: just his best friend. The
0: impression we get is that he's just his companion and he enjoys yeah. doing these things and he doesn't need to have a full-time job working cuz he's got enough money. He's got a pension. Probably. He's got a pension or whatever. Yeah. Um but he He's not getting off the hook to go do what he wants.
1: But also, we know from other episodes that Hastings comes from money because yeah. he knows people. With well, his money.
0: pension wouldn't be enough to live on. No, no, it's not enough to buy an Italian sports car later no, no. and everything else.
1: He does. definitely knows some. Until rich. he
0: loses all of his money in his cow ranch in Brazil. Or
1: yeah, we'll get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they go to the bank.
1: Okay, they go to the bank. He talks to the bank manager. I'm like, okay, well, there's some Art Deco stuff in the background. It's beautiful and everything. And then they come out of the bank. And I'm going to go to Greenland here, okay?
0: Before you go to Greenland, can we talk about inside the bank real quick?
1: Okay. No. Uh, inside the bank manager's office or the inside the bank? Inside the bank. Okay. Because wh- what I want to talk about is oh, okay. inside go ahead. the bank. okay. So they come out of the manager's office.
0: Yeah. And they're on like that balcony.
1: They're on that balcony. There are four lights on the floor shooting up to mm-hmm. create shadows.
0: Yes. So the columns look imposing over them and everything.
1: None of those lights are actually there in terms of daily use. They're not practical lights. No. They they do a super job to make that look beautiful. And then they draw back and flip the camera down to see another room full of extras.
0: Yeah. The level below of the actual operating bank.
1: It may be
0: my favorite shot in all of Poirot. Wow.
1: It's super good.
0: There's a lot of bustle going on down there. Yep. How did banks actually operate before computers?
1: <laughs> so, this is probably before you, but I remember getting a check from my parents and having to take it to the bank with my bank book and them writing all the information in the bank book based on ledgers that they had.
0: So, you go into this bank. Yep. Right? This is the oh, what's it called? I love the name of the bank. The Belgravia and Overseas Bank. Yes. You go in, and you would like to withdraw some money from your account. Yes. And they say, what is your name? And you say, Mark Bell. And they go to the back, and they get the bell, they get the B book. B book, usually. And bring it up to the teller window and flip through it until they find your page. Yes. And see how much money you have. Yes. And then they give you some, and then they note it on the page. Yes. That you've taken out 20 pounds. That's how it works. And then they put the book back. Yes. And then they come back to the window and say, Oh, Mrs. Bugaboo, you're here. Let me go get the B book. I'll be right back. And they go and get it again, <laughs> that, right? I've seen that exact thing and happen. And so if two tellers have customers whose names begin with the same letters, one of them has to wait for the other one to be done with the book? Yes. And if that book gets lost, everything's gone. You have okay. no money anywhere.
1: <laughs> there was so much trust implicit in that operation. Yeah, in the past.
0: Yeah. Because I can only assume that there were times when, if they knew you, if you were a regular customer of the bank, they would jot down the transaction and record it later.
1: I know, I know for me that when I was very young, I was probably seven or eight. It might have been Star Trek. Somebody said computers are very good at one thing, and that's counting, mm-hmm. which is what they are. Right. Right, and so everything I saw where there was counting, I was like, "That'll be replaced by computer." That I was that kid, by the way.
0: <laughs> so we're I'm shocked. Little- we're all really surprised by that.
1: Well, um, <laughs> that you were we, that kind of when better. we got to <laughs> online banking and ATMs. I was like, "Duh."
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, but so so, what's been stolen from this bank are bearer bonds. Yes, and bearer bonds are basically cash.
1: They're like cash whoever bears them right. owns them.
0: You don't they don't they're not like a check. They're not made out to a person. No. Whoever holds them physically holds them, yeah. can cash them for 90, money.
1: 90,000, which wasn't. It is an
0: incredible amount of money. Yep. Absolutely. Like big 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 money. Then we get to see Jap. Jap, Jap, Jap. He looks so young. He does. I love Jap so much, and I always forget that in the early episodes they don't get along. That they that they kind of compete. They compete. Then later, it's not
1: that they don't get along. But later,
0: they're like buddies, and Jap is fine with Paro helping and turns to him for help. But early on, it's kind of. They're confrontational. They compete because well, because Poirot is a PI and he's stepping on Jap's turf, right? I really want that Reuters ticker tape machine <laughs> <laughs> really bad. That Poirot pretends to look yes, at. Yes, Poirot pretends to look like. So there's it. another version of the Adventure of the Clapham Cook. Oh, that is a Japanese anime oh version, and it, this is important at this point. Um, it's called Agatha Christie's Great Detectives Poirot and Marple. Okay. And the way they present it there, they call it the disappearing cook. Okay. And Poirot solves the mystery with the help of Miss Marple's niece. Oh. But in that series, the anime series, Jap's name is changed to Inspector Sharp. Oh. And I'm sure you can imagine why. Yes. Because in Japan... Maybe Jap's not the best Not word. the best name. Yeah. It's kind of a slur. Yeah. So he's sharp. It's kind of... <laughs> Not a s like it it is a slur. <laughs> but it's got two P's. Yeah, yeah it's two Ps. Yeah. I don't think Christie meant anything by it. No, 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 no. Right. No. But they had to change his name. No. And I completely understand why. Yes. Like that that makes perfect sense. I just thought that was interesting. I, I, another thing on names, real quickly, Annie, Agatha Christie had something about that name. Okay. Because Annie is used for a maid in the mysterious affair at Styles. The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, Dumb Witness, and The Adventure of the Clapham Cook, and The Underdog. In five different stories, there is a maid called wow. Annie. Wow.
1: Now, did you look... Okay, I, this is the nerds we are. We have a Agatha Christie, like, encyclopedia that lists
0: every yes. character. In. No, no. I, oh, I'm a bad person. I found this incredible fact in a, a thesis called Making the Sausage. Okay. The naming of characters in Agatha Christie's... Novels and short stories. Oh, and I should have noted the name of the author.
1: I'll put it in the show notes
0: um, if it tells you anything. It was a PDF scan of a typewritten thesis. Mm. Wow! But I just found that really interesting. Yeah, like now, I kind of want to look to see if she ever had a maid named Annie, and maybe that's why. Maybe like she just was like paying homage to to oh, yeah. a maid or something. But mm. yeah, lots of Annies are maids in Agatha Christie. Okay, Poirot's got a letter. It, Simpson says to Jap that Davis, the banker who is being accused of stealing the money. Yes. Has never been abroad. Yes. And I have a problem with that. Okay. Because if Simpson is 28. Yep. Like they estimate him to be, though he's not really the actor is like, you know, 40 something. Yep. But if he's actually in his late 20s in 1935, he would have been 16 when World War 1 broke out. Oh, so he probably And he would have been old enough to go probably, to to the later years of World War 1, and so I can only assume that Davis would have been too. And yeah. So they definitely would have been abroad at some point. I think so. So I mean, he's lying, Instead obviously. Instead abroad stairs. And when we see Davis, he's got grayer hair. Yeah. So he's probably older. Yeah. So he's definitely been abroad. Yeah. Anyway, you know where Broadstairs is?
1: Yeah, it's on the um, East Coast. Yeah. Yep. I looked it up. They get a letter from the cook.
0: Yes, because she's seen the classified ad. Yep. And then she, they, (laughs) Poirot has to go in the country. Yes. The the horror of the country. He hates the countryside. Oh my gosh. I love that
1: whole part. Uh, it is a desert, a wasteland.
0: You only have to think they get off the train and then they just have to walk through the countryside to get there. Like, there's no road.
1: I'm at first, I'm like, why didn't they call? Yeah. She wouldn't have had a phone. No, I don't she think she would have had, had a phone.
0: Not where she is.
1: They're a little furry things.
0: And all of the extras, <laughs> the ramblers and their shorts. Oh, my gosh. They're fantastic. Mom, Mom I got a part. I'm a hiker on a poiro. <laughs> yeah. And then the guy keeping the sheep who yeah. has to make them walk across in yeah. front of Hastings and Poirot.
1: I love where he goes, the good air of the town. Yes. <laughs> I miss the good air of the town. How long would it take them on the train to get from London to, to Keswick? Keswick in the Lake District?
0: Three hours. Four and a half hours. It's quite a quite a thing. Yeah, that's a train journey. Yep, yep. And that would have cost him a little bit. And she tells them a story about Mr. Cratchit. I have a problem with this story. Okay. She was the cook in that house. Yep. Where Simpson was a paying guest. Yes. He would have eaten in their dining room with them. Yes. That's part of being a paying guest. Yes. And she would have served. Yes. Not Annie. Yep. She would have served. She would have known his face. And I don't care if he puts on a fake beard and curls his hair, which he clearly curled his hair. Yeah. How did what even was do up that? with the curling? She's sitting right across the table from him. She would have recognized him. She would him. have said,
1: oh, don't I know you from somewhere? Yeah. And it's a really
0: bad Australian accent. Yeah, it is. But like, he's not changed his appearance so profoundly. Like his hair is still the same color. No. and. Uh, She's not stupid. He's kind of crocodiling
1: Dundee in it. <laughs> it's
0: like, Oi, I put the legacy on the Bobby. <laughs> like, yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. But I feel so bad for her when he says the only thing is you can't be in domestic service. Oh, she, her eyes well up. She... Oh, well, just, and then
1: he has to like hint like three times about the solution to it. She's not getting it.
0: She's a really good actress. That's yep. that's Frida Dowie. Yeah. She was in a Midsummer, she was in The Animal Within. Um, she's just a really good actress. And I really, she does a great job of portraying a character who is in service. Yep. But who has dreams. Yes. When they come to her house, she's so happy. She's so excited house. to let them yep. in, yep. and she doesn't like snap at him when he says, "I'm sure your mistress won't mind nope. if you let us nope. in." She doesn't nope. go like, "I don't have a mistress."
1: He's just like she's just like, she's "I just, don't
0: have one." She's and giggling he, to herself yeah. because of her her fortune, and I I feel so bad that off screen. She's finding out that that place is just rented and it's not hers.
1: Yeah, and she probably has to give all the money back that he gave her.
0: Yeah, and ask for her job back. Yep. And you think Mrs. Todd's not going to lord that over her?
1: I hope Mrs. Todd Call her stupid
0: for falling for it and everything else? And Annie's going to be like, how were the white slavers? (laughs) Were they nice to you? (laughs) Did
1: they give you stewed peaches? 127 Wentworth Road in, they say, Melbourne. Mm. There's no address of that <laughs> in Melbourne. Of
0: course you looked.
1: But there is in Sydney.
0: Oh, so it's quasi true.
1: Yeah. Uh, that house in Sydney, I don't know what's going on with the Sydney housing prices. If you live in Sydney, could you please explain to us? $1.86 million Australian dollars for that
0: house. Mm-hmm. It is two bedrooms, maybe. Wow. Maybe. What's the currency exchange like with the Australian dollar? Uh, it would be
1: one three million
0: wow yeah i
1: don't know what's going on with the housing market in uh australia and like is it on though, the beach no or something? no 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 way far away from the beach shazam yeah the salvation army uh, makes what reference what is up
0: with those two salvation army people they make reference to psalm 118 verse 22 he's talking about The stone and the brick and the stone. The stone
1: which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone.
0: What does that mean?
1: I don't know. I didn't read the rest of the psalm.
0: What the heck are they doing in the restaurant begging for money? Uh, That would not fly now. It's all over the place. You don't don't collect for charity inside somebody's business. No. Going table to table with your little box shaking it. Those two are... Up to something. So Poirot, Poirot <laughs> figures it I'm out. I'm suspicious of the Salvation Army people. <laughs> he
1: tries to phone uh, Simpson, not Davis, tell JAP in front of the big sign that says Carlisle.
0: Yeah, okay, guess what station they're at. <laughs> yeah,
1: lots of air, lots of smoke. You there. talk
0: about lighting in the bank. The lighting in the train is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Poirot is sitting there, leaned back against the seat. The little grey cells are working. He has his boutonniere on
1: from the countess. I noticed. It he there.
0: always has that on. Yeah. The little silver vase yeah. with lavender flowers yeah. in it. And we'll always. see. We'll see why he gets. Where that. he gets that uh, later. Yeah. Um, but he is like a Buddha sitting there. Yes. And absolutely. Hastings is across from him. Like I, I just. <laughs> my brain just doesn't compute I don't know what's going on.
1: <laughs> so they show up at the house and clap mm-hmm. and there's cops everywhere.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Todd is so angry. She's so angry. There's cops at my house. Her lower class self lets yep. her lean out the window yep. and scold him, yep. which she would not do if she was oh, thinking no. about the neighbors. No, no. <laughs> And of course, they don't find anything. Nope. Because he's long gone. He's long gone. And he's sent the trunk to Glasgow.
1: Yes. And we find that out by a little gift that is Danny
0: Webb Tits in a Tree.
1: Wow.
0: Mr. Sarcastic Luggage Porter. He may
1: be the smartest person in the episode, and he gives Poirot bad
0: information. <laughs> I love that they're like, and did you do that? And he's like, no, nah, they just pay me big bucks to stand around and not do what they ask me to do. Like,
1: so, <laughs> such good writing. That character in the story just gives up the information. Just that's it. Danny Webb just was like, I'm, I'm going to change this. I'm sure
0: they had him yeah. on set and they're like, this guy's too good to just waste on one line. But did you Poirot. see the
1: cops searching the, the station? Yeah. They're like, Oh, is it this bag? Is it this wicker box? You're is it supposed
0: this to look for a, a
1: cake.
0: Big black a, trunk, tin yeah. trunk. Is it this basket of pigeons? Is that <laughs> it? But in the scene with Danny Webb with the porter, yeah. Poirot practically has to hold Hastings back. <laughs> <laughs> like he's
1: gonna so beat him up i
0: know he's like look at a little sarcastic jerk face he's gonna smack him he's like got his little teapot and he's yep. just drinking his tea
1: <laughs> he's totally a punk that's oh, what yeah. he is he's yes.
0: totally a punk i love that he gets to work behind a window that has a little bell that you ring like yep. you know he totally ignores everybody all the time until yep. that bell rings and he's yep. like oh i gotta put my hat on gotta yep. pay attention
1: i love that he is he has a hat that says Porter, and his character is named, is not named, it's just Porter. Mm-hmm. I was like, I wonder how many characters have had clothes on that have their name on their it. Their character
0: name on it. <laughs> <laughs> but he says that when when um, Simpson, well, he doesn't know that it's Simpson, but when he came to um, claim the trunk, he had it forwarded on to Glasgow and he paid him, yeah. and he had a huge wad of cash, yep. some of which. Was from Bolivia. Yeah. That's the wrong clue, right? Because yep. they're actually Mostly boulevards from Venezuela. because Bolivia. Yeah. <laughs> I love how he delivers that <laughs> line. He's, this episode, like so many Poirot's, is just full of little gem scenes. Yeah. He's- Absolutely fantastic. Bolivia is a landlocked country hastings.
1: <laughs> there are no
0: boats to Bolivia. There are no boats to Bolivia. <laughs> it's like catching a steamer to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> like you just can't do it. <laughs>
1: so they go to find the boat to Caracas. Mm-hmm. But it's discontinued.
0: Yes. The service to Portugal, Madeira, and Buenos Aires, which I think is weird because Portugal is a country. Yeah. And Madeira and Buenos Aires are cities. Yes. But it's been discontinued. Now, do you have any theories of why? it's 1935
1: in November. I'm assuming there's some political upheaval.
0: Potentially. Yes. So just to kind of situate us, right? In 1933, Hitler became the leader of Germany and established his party and in 1935 the germans declared that people with any amount of jewish blood could not vote could not be citizens could not own businesses yeah and that was in november of 1935 but they it, it is just on the precipice of mussolini starting to get really obnoxious mm-hmm. in italy like a a year later he coins the term axis yeah in November of 36. Yeah. So in 35, I think, and again, if somebody knows better, please tell us, but I think because Italy is in turmoil and already aligning with Germany, that maybe sailing to Portugal
1: might be a little Is dangerous. not
0: necessarily safe. Yeah. Right? Because you got to go kind of through, yeah, you got to go around Italy. Yeah. And maybe, maybe. It could be a completely could other reason. Could be a plot point. It could be nothing else. Yeah. But... Um, it, it seems like kind of the wrong direction too. Like why would you go to Portugal and then Buenos Aires? Yeah. More direct route, maybe? Yeah. I don't
1: know. I would think so.
0: But the talk about extras. The boat that's there, the big yeah. ship that's there, that we can hardly see because it's night, right? Yeah. You really only see the lights.
1: It has extras that are dressed up on it, but it's not going. Anywhere.
0: No, the extras are on the dock waving like flags and noisemakers yeah. at the at the ship because it's leaving but th- it's dark like who's gonna see them yeah. like cheering for the boat to leave like yay so they have real- a good vi- trip whatever
1: they realize they're on the wrong they have the wrong boat and it's bolivar which is the Venezuelan currency not right. Boulevard, bolivia and poirot kind of runs kind of
0: he shuffles fast
1: he shuffles fast you have to
0: remember his shoes are always too tight yep that's a poirot thing
1: he sees Simpson, he yells at him, and, Poir- and Jap does a fantastic thing of, stop that man.
0: Why do the sailors stop him? They don't know who Jap is. They don't
1: know who Jap is. But He's not
0: like, I'm a policeman, stop that man. But that's, I guess Jap's just internationally known. That's British
1: murder mystery <laughs> TV. Stop or I'll, I'll say stop, stop again. again. Yes,
0: Poirot frames the check. Yes. Which is just mwah, perfect yep. Poirot thing to do.
1: What I'm going to say- to wrap this up, is this is a perfect introduction to all the main players mm-hmm. without saying, this is Miss Lemon. She's yeah. this person. This is Hastings. It's not heavy handed at it's all. Not, it's so well written. And
0: it's not the first Poirot story. No. Um, in the order that uh, Christie wrote them. So it's not like it just happens to be there in the story. No, when you read the they short story, really you're job.
1: expected to know who Poirot is. Oh my God.
0: The yep. short stories are like a blast in the face. Yeah. It's like plot end. Like yep. if you don't know who somebody is too well, bad. And
1: a lot of times like tri- uh, Triangle of Rhodes, there's a lot of um, dramatizing that goes on in that story when it's actually like like Poirot figures it out and says everything at the end mm-hmm. without like seeing it like he's not anywhere near them.
0: Yeah. Like the the screenplays are written very well to show us a yes. lot
1: that Well, it's different. TV is
0: different than the In the writing, yeah. we we know because we're in somebody's head or you know there's other little clues that are given um but the the screenplays are very helpful to us. We get to as in some of the writing, we get to kind of be the dummy like Hastings and sort of get the clues and put them together. Agatha Christie was a strong believer in the rules. Yep, absolutely. the reader or the viewer has to have all the information that the detective has. We have to have an equal chance of solving it as he does or she does. And they stayed true to that in the screenplays for these episodes. They did a really good job of maintaining that. I love his little egg-shaped head. Oh, I just so want to pinch his little cheeks. So fantastic. When I see David Suchet playing Poirot, I just want to give him a hug and go, yep. You're one of my favorite people.
1: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Once we've finished an episode, one of the things we do, we talk about a couple of things.
0: (laughs) If there's more than one body, we do favorite Uh, corpse. Favorite corpse. Best corpse. Uh, But we
1: only have one corpse here, and he does a pretty good job of being a dead body. Wow, Davis is bendy. Yeah, he's The guy who
0: plays Davis. He fits in that trunk. He fits in that trunk. I'm impressed.
1: (laughs) No breathing, no eye twitch, no nothing. We watch this pretty cool. We don't get
0: to see him for very long. But he does fit in the trunk, and it doesn't look comfortable. So I'll give him best corpse, no problem. Him. But uh, other
1: episodes where there are multiple courses, we will be dissecting them, Yes, their performances.
0: And the other thing we always do is after the credits, yes. what happens after the crime is solved? Yes. So so do we, you think Eliza's going to go back and work for the Todds? I th-
1: I think she's going to try to, but Mrs. Todd's going to make her life crappy. Maybe or yeah. maybe not. Maybe.
0: You know, maybe she'll actually have a little bit of sympathy. They Annie to, will certainly be happy to see her if she does. They need to watch her. <laughs> I think Mrs. Todd's gonna be a little bit more picky about the new one, <laughs> yes,
1: I think the porter's probably gonna go out on Friday night and have a pint with his friends. You think, yeah, I yeah, think so he may try to uh talk up the barmaid also. <laughs>
0: And probably claim that he gave Poirot the information he needed to solve that yeah, crime. I,
1: I helped solve that crime. I, t-
0: I told him who did it. Yep. Yeah. They were there, and I
1: solved it for them.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that's going to be the version that he tells. Yes,
1: absolutely. One of the other things we do is these actors are busy people. Oh, yeah. Well, there's in,
0: only 12 actors in the UK, so they're all in everything They're in all the time. lots
1: of different things, and we have a segment of the show in which we talk about horrible movies that they've been in and see if I have seen them, because you're, I have seen Yeah, I was going
0: to say, you're missing the the big point here in that Mark is a connoisseur of horrible
1: movies. I've seen many, many horrible Be movies.
0: Be grateful you do not share a Netflix queue with this man <laughs> because you will get recommendations for things like Robo Geisha. Yes. <laughs> so. Or some... Worse than hammer horror movie (laughs) because he will mess up your cue by watching horrible movies. And because he's seen so many and has a very good memory for them, if there is a horrible movie in the history of an actor who is in the episode of whatever we're talking about, I quiz him to see if he recognizes it. Are you ready for this week's horrible movie?
1: For this week's horrible movie.
0: Okay. This is a nineteen ninety-six movie. Okay. Now the whole the whole game here is that he's gonna try to name the movie I'm describing. Okay.
1: 96.
0: David Suchet is in this. Okay.
1: David Suchet is in it. Okay.
0: Here's the summary. When terrorists seize control of an airliner, that never happened in a movie. Oh my gosh, I've seen it in the nineties. Yep an intelligence analyst accompanies a commando unit for a mid-air boarding operation.
1: Okay, so this is not There
0: are so many movies about terrorists on planes yeah, in the 80s and yeah, 90s. Yeah, this is
1: this is not the Harrison Ford Get Off My Plane no. movie because the bad guy in that movie is uh, not David Suchet. I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie.
0: Would you like a hint? Yes. Uh, it stars Kurt Russell.
1: Is Impact in the name? No.
0: No, no. And Steven Seagal. Oh, wow. And David Suchet is the lead terrorist. Wow. David,
1: Steven Seagal, who showed up
0: in Russia this week.
1: Um, I don't know. I don't know the name of it. I've seen it, but I don't know the name of it. It's called Executive Decision. Executive Decision. 1996. <laughs> wow.
0: And I will say that this movie on IMDb has um, uh, a title for something that has more of something than any other movie I could find. Okay. You know that goofs page? Yeah. It has more goofs than anything I have ever seen. Wow.
1: Wow. So these are mistakes the filmmakers made
0: mistakes in geography, characters, continuity, crew or equipment visible. Factual errors, plot holes, revealing mistakes, and anachronisms. Wow. There are subcategories for the goofs. Do you want to guess how many there are? I counted them. 37. 86. Wow. David Suchet got that check and cashed it. Remember, he was also in Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah, he was in Harry and the Hendersons. I know that. Which was in 87. Yes. It was two years before this. Yeah. So he plays that... French mercenary trying to kill Bigfoot in 87. And then two years later, he's Poirot.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's,
0: yeah. And this movie is after he's already been playing Poirot because this yes. is 96. Wow. I don't recommend it. No. Executive decision. Executive decision. Yeah, there you go. I definitely have saw that. I
1: don't think I saw it in the in the theater. I think we we rented it.
0: That's one point for me by the
1: way. That if is we're starting
0: the scorebook over again point for Mystery for Maniacs, it's one for me.
1: Thank you very much for listening. This has been Mystery Maniacs episode 1. We, we th- hope
0: you like it and if you have any um suggestions or Whatever, just drop us a line. We love hearing from you.
1: You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Twitter, we're Mystery underscore Maniacs. On Facebook, we have our own Facebook page. Instagram, we're Mystery Maniacs Podcast. And uh, we have emails and domains and all that good stuff. It's all in the show notes if you want to get a hold of us. Next episode is 134 of... Ours, which is Triangle at Roads, season one, episode six. And it will be released the twenty second of August.
0: Poirot has a lovely sidekick in this episode oh, I who love wears her. red leather love, gloves. They're beautiful.
1: I love her. But he lost a sidekick from the story. Yeah. In the story, there's two sidekicks. Right. And, and we'll talk about that yeah, next time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we will talk about. Hold it.
0: that fact. Yes. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye,
1: maniacs.
0: Now you can't use that. Okay. <laughs> Beep, bleep, bleep.